Young Thomas. Hey, you sound a little laid back today. What's going on? I haven't had my tea. You're so mellow. Have you had your coffee yet? I have. I'm all hyped up. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Extra caffeine, baby. Okay, since you're ready to go, I think it'd be interesting for the listeners to find out what your current TV guilty pleasure is. And let me explain what that is. That would be two ways of doing this. Either a guilty pleasure, for example, Karen leaves the house, you've taped The Bachelor, you run upstairs, and you watch it because you love it so much. That'd be a guilty pleasure. Or another guilty pleasure would be you're into a show, you really don't have anything in common with that show. You don't really understand why you like it, but you like it. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, you know I'm not really a TV guy. I know. I'm a radio guy. I'm a radio guy. Come on. But, pal, every now and then you get off the radio. You can't stop listening to the radio. you got to relax sometimes. You get in the bed or you get in... Okay. All right. So what is your... I'm going to tell you. You ready? Mm -hmm. I just started watching The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, brother. Why you say that? I don't know. That seems a little bit... uh, Spacey, little women in red outfits, right, with white tops on their heads. Do not judge a book <laughs> by its cover. Although, I've just watched the first episode. It's very dark. And if you're a political type person, there's underpinnings there that religion, you might like it, actually, right. that religion is going to somehow create this utopian society where women are servants to men. Right. And the first episode, definitely captivating, definitely compelling. But am I going to like it? I don't know. Because, you know, I connect with God and religion, whereas maybe you don't. Although you you say you're a spiritual person. We always end up talking about God for whatever reason. You bring it up. No, you actually bring it up more than I do. But But, but see, I don't think this is a guilty pleasure because I know that show, even though I didn't watch it, was very acclaimed. You know, everybody talked about it. Some of the scenes are very disturbing, you know, like nightmarish. Right. And I don't know if I want to keep going with it. My wife and my girls, my daughters, they've watched it. And I can't even believe my young, innocent daughters have seen it. So that's your guilty pleasure. I don't think that's a guilty pleasure, though, because like I said, it's a very, you know, well-made show, very, you know, acclaimed. Oh, you mean something like bad. Well, I remember a few years ago when I first met you, you told me that you'd like the Dallas reboot, and I gave you a lot of grief Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of guilty pleasure. Yeah. I got you. (laughs) Deal or no deal? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You like that? Yeah. Well, no, I don't like the show, but I understand that would be a guilty pleasure. Yeah. It's kind of addictive, right? You like that, huh? You and like it's that. It's kind Howie. of silly. It's kind of goofy. <laughs> and those girls with those briefcases, those girls are, oh, man. Here's a guilty pleasure that has nothing to do with TV. Do you know what Karen and I are going to do today? What's that? I'm going to dust the bullet off. Right. The old Steve McQueen special. Yeah, I'm going to dust the bullet off, and we're going to take a ride. Are you ready? All the way over to Sharon, PA. Wow. It's a long haul, but it's worth it. Do you know what we're going to (laughs) do? I can only imagine what's going on in Sharon, PA. There's a candy factory there called Daffin's Candy. Right. And it's the best candy in the world. And, you know, Easter is coming up. Right. And do you know what we do for our kids, even though they're well past the Easter egg zone? You still get them a basket and put it by their bed? We do. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> we totally do. Oh, man. Is that, that brings... silly? No, it's it's loving. Yeah. So your kids are always going to be your kids. Even though they get a little older and they're out of the kid stage, you still want to 
treat them the same. And they love getting those Easter baskets and those little peeps. Yeah, get those peeps because, you know, in a pinch, a peep can plug up a hole in your tire. That's right. Just in case the bullet. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Throw a peep in there. Yeah, there you go. Tom and Mike. There's something going on in the cosmetic world that's taken the women by storm. Have you ever heard of something called liquid nose? No. How does that work? Well, it's a walk-in procedure that transforms their nose in 15 minutes, whereas before it would cost thousands of dollars and it would have to be, you know, you stay at the hospital. I'm assuming it makes the nose smaller. Well, actually, it gives it shape. Dermafiller, and it's ejected into the nose to give it a more aesthetically pleasing shape. It costs $1,000, and it's cheaper than the average rhinoplasty. And it lasts for up to 9 to 18 months, and there's no pain. Although, in the two years it's been on the market, there's been two deaths and the risks of blindness. (laughs) Oh, no, it's not worth it. Come on. (laughs) Blindness and death for vanity? Liquid nose. When I heard that, I thought to myself, does that mean the nose is always running? (laughs) And can we get some of that dermal filler for other parts of the body? I'm asking for a friend. You're talking about that big hole (laughs) in my head? That big crack. (laughs) That big crack in my head? (laughs) Yeah. Now, honestly, have you ever looked at somebody's nose and said, man, that's a pleasing shape? Yeah. You know who's got a nice nose, but I really can't stand her? Who's that? Megan Kelly. Okay. I would say that she has the perfect nose. You know, there are certain women that something about their nose just looks so aesthetically perfect. So there's a good example right there, right? Yeah. And whatever happened to her? Boy, well, she, she, she just she fell off the face of the earth, right? Did you see what she got when she left NBC? Millions upon millions upon millions. Uh, I have, guess we won't be seeing her for a while. No. You know, it's funny. I had a best friend in high school. He's still my best friend. We're just separated by 3,000 miles. He lives in California. But he had a really big nose. Not, I mean, he has a big face. So it's cruel what kids do to kids because when he was, he's a great basketball player in high school and he had a big nose. You know what his nickname was? No. Hoagie. Hoagie? (laughs) Hoagie nose. But they called him Hoagie. How's his nose look now? Did he get any work done? No work. It's yeah. funny you said that because he just had a brain tumor removed. Oh. And, and wait, it, everything turned out great. But I didn't know this. The brain tumor was non-cancerous. And to get to it, they went through his nose. And he told the doctor, hey, you shouldn't charge me as much because he's got a lot of room to work there. <laughs> he's a great guy. You know, you're a really talented guy. Somebody that can take a brain tumor and turn it into a joke. That's talent, my friend. <laughs> That's right, buddy. And you know what else is talent? Our, our podcast, our, our right. daily podcast. You know, nice segue, too. <laughs> and the address? What's this world coming to.com. Tom and Mike. We did a couple stories recently about brides and how they get out of hand sometimes. It's a new one. So a woman's getting married. She's at the wedding. And two friends of the groom had sent their RSVP saying that they are vegans and they're here with their dietary requirements. The bride refused to cater for this vegan couple. So what do you say? Do you say that's wrong or right? Judge Kent? Wrong. She's being too selfish? Correct. Yeah. Do you agree with my ruling? Yeah, I do. I say, what's the big deal to call the caterer and say, I've got this one couple, you know, give them some lettuce, give them a carrot, give them a whatever, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just, you know, give it to them. And you know what they serve for this wedding? What? Tacos. Tacos. 
Don't they look great on a wedding gown? You can get a vegan taco. I know. How hard is it to do that, Thomas? It's not hard. Jeez. You know what the woman should have done, the bride should have done? She should have stood up, made reference to what the couple wanted, and then turned everybody and said, let them eat cake. Let them eat cake. The famous quotation from? Uh, from uh, something. It's, what, I uh, think it was Joan of Arc. Okay. Or, Before my time. <laughs> But yeah, a meatless taco wouldn't be that hard to do, would it? You know what's going to be a Fifi wedding? What's that? I don't know if you're familiar with Bradley Whitford. He is- Yeah, he was in West Wing. Right. Right. And that great movie, Get Out. Yep. Right? Yep. He's going to marry somebody that I know. In fact, I know her father quite well. Are you going? I don't know yet. I, I haven't gotten an invitation, but I just had a discussion over the weekend. The guy's name is John Records Landecker. Did you ever hear that name? No, it's a John, great name, though. <laughs> John and I used to work in radio in Chicago at WLS years ago. And his daughter, Amy, was just a little girl. She used to come into the station and I would be in my office. She'd come in and sit and do her homework right next to me and would ask me for help with her homework. And Amy now, she's a big-time actress, Amy Landecker. Did you what, ever, she, has she, what has she been in? You know that TV show with Jeffrey Tambor, Transgender? Yep. That, and she was in a movie years ago. I think she kind of came to be in a movie called A Serious Man. But she's been a lot of character parts. She's a pretty big actress. Google that name. What's a her name? Amy Landecker. Okay. Okay. But... Yeah, I, I've known her since she was just a little girl, and she needed help with her homework, right? <laughs> yeah. A nice kid, you know, beautiful girl. Of course, I was extremely young. I wasn't that far off from her age when I worked at WLS. I was in my early 20s. Right. I talked to John over the weekend, and he's telling me about how they're getting married and everything. Yeah, I don't have an invitation. I'm not thinking I'm going to get one. It's going to be a big Hollywood wedding. But you kind of think, back to your story, you know, I wonder if there's going to be that vegan stuff going on, I would imagine. I've never been to a Hollywood wedding. How about you? No. I've been to a Hollywood party where there's stars all over the place. That was kind of exciting. Where was that? Right after the Grammys several yep. years ago when I was in the record business, I went to a, a real big-time Hollywood party where... Karen and I are sitting on a sofa and Liza Minnelli comes up and says, may I sit here right next to us, right? That's pretty cool. I saw her once. Yeah? At a, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell the story because it's you shouldn't do stuff like that. But I did see her. You've whetted our appetite. Uh, should I say it? We're all curious. What was she doing? Well, it's uh, it's been published that she's had the, my stepson, he had a problem with drugs. He had clinical depression and he, self-medicated. And my wife and I sent him to a, a facility in Pennsylvania called the Karen Foundation or whatever. And we went there on visiting day and we're walking through the grounds. And I look over to my left and they're holding court with about four other women. It was Liza Minnelli. Well. But that's been well publicized that she's right, been- Right. she's had her problems with addiction. Also was there was a big hockey enforcer for the Chicago Blackhawks. And- uh, He's no longer with us. He died uh, a few years later. Well, that's uh, certainly a happy story. But, uh, <laughs> all right. You all know, right. what I was going to tell you is uh, this back to this Hollywood party. Cher was there. Ellen DeGeneres was there. Timothy Hutton was there. Liza Minnelli. 
I mean, everywhere we turned, we saw another star. Did and you have your autograph book out? No, no, no. You don't do that I at know. an intimate private party. You just don't do that. And you don't take pictures. And you're very cool. You blend. You blend, baby. Were you drinking champagne or wine? or? I can't remember what we were drinking, but we were having fun. It was really oh, cool. I... You know that country star, Dwight Yoakam? He's mm -hmm. also an actor. Right? Yep. He tried to pick up Karen. Ooh. Yeah. That's another story, but anyway. Uh, all right, buddy. Tom and Mike. Robots are becoming more and more a conversation among scientists. Some scientists are saying it's a time that we give robots a sense of humor. What do you think about that? I'm going to tell you the worst AI. You know what AI stands for? Artificial intelligence, yeah. buddy. I'm the, the worst I've ever heard in my life, Okay. Mm -hmm. AT&T. If anybody out there ever has called AT&T, it's the dumbest thing ever. The first thing you hear is you hear Mr. Announcer. It's a computer, of course. Mm -hmm. You've reached AT&T, and then you hear this clicking on a keyboard. Thank you for calling. Are you calling from da-da-da-da-da, you know, the phone number? And you say yes, and then you hear this. You hear you hear that? Mm-hmm. And you're waiting. Okay, we found you. How can we help you today? Right. And then you say what you need, and then you hear, it's the computer typing on the computer. You talk about your oxymorons, yeah. right? Yeah. They say there's good reasons to have giving artificial intelligence the ability to understand humor. It makes them more relatable, especially if you can get them to understand sarcasm. But other experts remain unconvinced about the ability to understand humor. Teaching robots humor is dangerous because they might find it where it isn't, and they may use it when it's inappropriate. And they may even start killing people because they think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I was thinking to myself, if I could find a good, funny, you know, sidekick. <laughs> you could get rid of me? Yeah, I didn't have to pay. Yeah, I, right? still, I still think these computers are funnier than Adam Sandler. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, you do have a point. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't tell that joke. <laughs> I love that movie. One of my all-time favorites. Hal the Computer. Here's a trivia question for you. Do you know who the voice of Hal the Computer was in 2001 and 2010, A Space Odyssey? You know what? I, I saw this, but I can't remember. Who was it? Douglas Rain. He was a voiceover guy in Canada that they found in, boy, that is a scary movie, especially, you know, when the astronaut is in his pod, <laughs> Dave, right? Yep. And he needs to get back into the mothership and how one open the doors. Right. And Dave is saying, how open the doors. I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love that movie. I mean, these, these people building these robots is getting out of hand. You know, they're putting artificial intelligence into sex robots because that's what a guy wants. A sex robot with intelligence, right? <laughs> really? I don't know. This world is, uh, you know, we're, you know, here we are. I say in 15, 20 years, there are going to be things happening that we're not even going to be able to comprehend right now. You know that? I can just hear that sex robot now. <laughs> Get off me, Tom. Get off me. Hey, Mike, <laughs> may I accessorize your hard drive? Yeah, baby. <laughs> Tom and Mike. I think some people are taking this Green Deal way too extreme. There are women now, listen to this, there are women, they're refusing to have babies to save the planet. Seriously? Yep. 
To me, it's like taking a cup of water from the ocean. It's pointless. You know, give up meat and dairy. That'd be more good for the planet than having a few kids. Or they ever hear of adoption people? Wow, that is yeah. really strange. Why do people just want to go overboard? I don't know. But, you know, it's a big world out there, my friend. And, uh, you know, what we think is silly. So not only do the super green people want to get rid of cows and hamburgers, but they want to get rid of babies? Well, I think it's a combination. I think some people are really into this Green Deal climate thing. And I think some women, let's face it, might be afraid to have a baby. It's a good excuse. Right. You know, they shouldn't feel childbirth because that's the easy part. But they don't give you drugs raising them, do they? No. Mother's little helper, the Rolling Stones. I think it's weird that people can get a child with nothing. I mean, you have to pass a lot of tests to just get to drive a car. But with a kid, go ahead. You're on your own. Figure it out, right? Spoken like someone who's never had children. <laughs> well, not because I didn't want them. It's just my circumstance in life. Right. It's all uh, good. It's all, it's all good, man. But seriously, I mean, these people are really... I don't know whether they are afraid to give them or they are really into the the climate and think that overpopulation is going to affect the world. They should realize that they're going to have their kids right now and the world's still going to be around. It's going to be many, many years before that other problem happens, right? What? The end of the world as we know it because of climate change? And overpopulation, yeah. I don't know. It might be sooner than we think. All right, Mr. Harbinger of bad things to come. Tom and Mike. Where in this great country of ours do you think you're most likely to be audited by the IRS? This might shock you. I know it shocked me. Most likely you're talking about geographic. Yep. Where in the country are more people going to get audited than anywhere else? New York? No. You'll never get this. It's just so mind-boggling. Humphreys County, Mississippi. And let me tell you why. There's nothing but catfish farms. It's very rural. One-third of the people live under the poverty line. The medium income is just $26,000. But here's why they're getting audited. A few years ago, when Republicans controlled the House, they passed a law. See, these people are so poor, they claim earned income tax credits when they do their taxes. So the government wants to make sure these people aren't cheating. I mean, I don't think this is what LBJ meant when he went war on poverty. It's hard for me to believe that you go after... You know, like you said, go after the rich people in New York or California or whatever that are hiding it. But for a guy who's making less than $26,000 a year and he claims earned income tax credit, you're going to really go after the guy? I don't even know what an earned income tax credit is. Neither do I, but it's something poor people use. I think I need them. I think (laughs) I need some right now. Uh, It's not surprising. You know what the motto was in the IRS building? What? Anybody who says you can't get blood from a stone just hasn't been trying hard enough. (laughs) That's right. You know, every year I send the letter to the IRS, please remove me from your subscription list. It never works. Never works. It's like being on that do not call list. You know they're going to come calling as soon as you're on the list. (laughs) You know, the word audit comes from auditory, which means to hear that bad news is coming. I have to process that joke. (laughs) Okay, it's coming to me now. Thank you. You know, it all goes back to England. This is where it all started. Remember Robin Hood? Sure. And remember that mean tax guy that went after him all the time? Right. What was his name? Sir. Wiley Coyote? The sheriff of Nottingham (laughs) or something. But Robin Hood went to the tax guy and said, tax guy said, we understand you give to the poor, but where are your receipts? Exactly. That's where it all started. That's where it all started. That's where it all started. Tom and Mike.